0: Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Zero. My name is Shane Petkowitz. I'm super excited. Uh, zero uh, is something that I've been working on for some time. It will be a zero waste podcast that highlights individuals from all around the world doing exciting work in the world of zero waste. And my goal really for Zero Waste is to start a conversation, both with my guests and with you about how we can take steps, either as individuals or through collaboration, that can affect change and gra- gradually move the needle on reducing the amount of stuff that we as a society, society waste and throw away. I'm very excited to start on this journey with you. And what better way to start than with the go to book, garbage man, Paul Martinson. Uh, in our conversation, we discuss what zero waste is, we discuss some of his successes reducing waste throughout his career, and how we can incorporate zero waste values into our lives. Paul has been in the waste sector for over 20 years, 15 of those in the zero waste movement. He was the creator of the first eco-park in the world, a model that has been recreated all over the world. And these days, Paul is a board member of Zero Waste International Alliance, Zero Waste Canada, and a mentor and educator for the Let's Do It movement. Please enjoy.
1: I've been with the zero waste movement for many years now and zero waste is circular economy uh, that is for sure. Uh, I worked for about 15 years for the Swedish uh no, for Gothenburg city as uh, the manager for uh, the recycle centers we have in the city you know in in Sweden it is like this that All the bulky stuff that you can't put into the normal bin you have to bring it to a recycle center and in my city Gothenburg which is the second largest city in Sweden about one million people in the in the main area we have five uh, recycle centers and uh, people are coming you know when they have garage cleaning or moving or whatever they they do you know both private people and companies and uh, when they come into this recycle center they have to sort into different fractions more than 15 different fractions uh, we have a container system where people are sorting you know and uh, we are quite a wealthy country people are consuming a lot they buy and uh, they love the consumption and, and uh, bring in new stuff to their homes almost every week. So it means when you bring in something new and your house starts getting full, you put it in the attic or you put it in the garage and find that you have to, to get rid of it in one way or another. And then you go to a recycle center where they usually have a container where you can put stuff for donation if you want. Otherwise you just put it in the container for for, uh, recycling in in different things, whatever it's now, if it's metal or if it's paper, cardboard, uh, furniture, whatever it is. But most of it goes for incineration. That is the biggest fraction we have. Um, So uh, I saw when I was in charge of this recycle center, how, many things and how much different items and goods people were throwing away you know there was it was you know like some of them were like in mint condition they were new and especially when it comes to textiles you know you can still have the price tag left people had not even been using them so uh, i was thinking thinking together you know with a with a place where i was working uh that we should do something about it and then we Decided that we should do something what we call an eco park, or actually it was called a recycle park, but we didn't recycle anything. But we are reusing, and reusing is, you know, if you look at the hierarchy, so that is much better than recycling, of course. So all these things and different items people brought to the recycle center, we try to to take care of it and and then capitalize on it one more time. Try to sell it, you know. So the idea was, and we made this park, was that before people come up to the to the recycle center, they have to pass through a big hall where we are helping them to check what they have in the trailers or in the car, and then we can say, this you don't have to, where you can donate it, and you can, uh, and we can take care of it, and we can sell it again, and uh, yeah, you know that that was the whole idea that we are. We are active helping people and guiding them for what they could uh, donate and reuse. So the, the idea was that people donate, we got it for free and we sell it and we make money out of it. And it was a great success from the beginning and uh, people always think about the budget, how, how did you finance all these stuff you know but we had a we, we had a system to finance it. Maybe I should not take the you know spend too much time about that but anyway i could say like this that from the first day we were making money out of this and uh, you know the idea is we get them all the items for free and we sell them so of course you should be able to make some profit one problem could be that you need also to find customers because if you have a lot of these items and and people don't buy them then you have a problem you know so you, you have to have good stuff, good quality, and uh, people not need to buy them from you because that, that is the whole concept, you know, to make everything rolling. And uh, we managed, you know, in, in a very good way to find a good balance between this. Uh, and I'm happy that we had like almost 1 million people as a population, you know, because that was our group of people. And uh, we could search our customers in this group. Uh, because it's not that easy always to sell secondhand stuff. You know, a lot of people they don't want to have secondhand stuff. They want new stuff and so on. Especially when it comes to textiles, you know, people say, "No, I don't want to have a shirt somebody else had." You know, and I don't want to sleep in sheets somebody else and so on. So and how
0: did how did you how did you manage that engagement? Um, because obviously, I think I think it's really. Important. I, I've been to landfills and I've seen to trash stations where you have all this garbage and it's mountains and mountains and piles of garbage. And I completely identify that. A lot of people just don't really think about the bin, what they put in the bin. And so, how did you manage that dynamic of engaging with the community members and teaching them and opening them up, opening them up to saying, yes, a second, second, uh, a second-hand uh, textile is something that we could look at.
1: <laughs> yeah uh i used to ask people do you sleep in a hotel <laughs> yes okay so what about the sheets and what about the towels they've been used of thousands of people maybe before you yeah <laughs> so it is to yeah yeah that's right you know and yeah but i don't want to buy a secondhand uh, uh, toilet you know and so yeah okay but you are using toilets all over the world where you go and in, in so you know it's just you know, people have some hints about this, but you can overcome it in one way or another. But there are people, you know, they don't, they don't want to have secondhand. So you have, have to accept it. But I mean, now you can push quite hard on the environmental thing about it. And uh, if you look at the older generation, you know, they are used to, to inherit stuff from the older siblings and so on when it comes to clothes or shoes or whatever it is. And uh, also that the older generation they take care of the things much more compared to what it is today, you know. But uh, still, furniture is a big is a big thing. But you know, like old beds, nobody wants to buy an old bed from anybody. It's almost impossible to sell it, even if they say, "Yeah, it's so nice. I had it so many years and it's so good, and so on." But no, there is a there are limits, you know. Yeah, for uh, what people want a to level buy. Of, of- Exactly, a
0: something a barrier that needs to be overcome and being comfortable with using secondhand materials. Um, I mean, I think it's a very impressive, even entrepreneurial business or venture because it's a, you're you're rethinking from a systemic approach to a whole new business model. Where was the the concept was? Did you get it gradually evolve, or did you from the get go have this vision of, a, of an eco park that it is today? Or how did it, how did you progress with that?
1: No, we, we gradually, you know, when we started, you know, we didn't really, we had an idea how we should work with it, but uh, we didn't know how it's going to, how it's going to be. So we ha- we were developing things during each day that was passing because we we saw, you know, the, the waste streams, how they went, and we saw what people like to buy and so on. So, I mean, we could adopt it, you know, uh, a little bit. And then, of course, we you know and one example is that we we receive tires and uh, tires come also as a wheel or they come just as a tire so we started to take off the tire from the wheels and then we could sell the metal which has the great value uh, before you know we just put them in one container and send it to entrepreneur and he took the money now we we start to to take all the metal ourselves and the same in the, in the containers, you know, we were digging for, for the valuable metal like brass and copper and stuff, you know, uh, just to keep it for the city because the, the park was run by the city and also it was also a way, you know, to save money. And, and, and we could put the money in, into our enterprises and, and develop them in different ways. So each new thing we did also created a new green job. So that was a win-win situation really.
0: And I, I think that's amazing. I think uh, that there's so many benefits and obviously a lot of, a lot of learning um, about how to, how to best reuse these materials. I'm curious, when when you started working on, on this park, obviously you mentioned this was happening in, in the land of incineration where you're having a lot of disposal uh, within Sweden was the notion of zero waste, was that something that you were really talking about? Were you, as a term, is that something that had come up or is it, we don't really want to incinerate, we we want to solve a problem for the waste that we're generating, how do we go about doing that? Uh,
1: The problem with incineration is that, let's say like this in Sweden, incineration is not a question. People think it's good. We burn the waste, we get energy, and we need it for our central heating. That's good. We get rid of the waste, we get heat in our house. So that's simple. Uh, they don't even question it, you know. So but when you start talking about it and you say, so okay, what is it you are burning? What is the fuel of the incinerator? Uh, it's it's the garbage, you know. Yeah. Uh, and in in fact, we also, you know. Actually, burn the food waste a little bit less now than it was before, but because we start to collecting food waste in a separate stream now for not composting, but for biogas. But still, we are burning and incinerate a lot of food. And, and then, when you start talking with people, okay, so what what is it? What is it we are burning actually? What is the fuel? And then, yeah, it's paper and plastic and yeah, but why don't we recycle it instead? Yeah, you can do that if you want, you know. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is also that from the beginning, you know, we had one bin. We put everything in the bin. Now they separate the food waste. So like where I stay now, we have two bins. Each villa has two bins and we have eight different sac- uh, fractions we have to sort at home. And that that is a good system, because you are sorting at the source, and uh, you got clean fractions, and they come, you know, with one truck one week and take four of the fractions in different segments in the car, and, and the second week they take the other bin. So that is a good system. But the recycle rate in Sweden is still very low. It will probably increase a little bit with this new system, which has to be implemented all over the country. And that will take time and an expensive system and so on. Uh, But otherwise, the recycle uh, uh, rate is about 35%, which is very low. Uh, And one of the reasons is, of course, that we are fighting about the same fuel. The fuel is all these things that also could be recycled. But we burn them because if people don't sort, it goes into one bin and they throw it away and they burn it. So uh, when you start talking with people about this, then they understand. Okay, yeah, but I'm sorting glass at home and never throw the waste, the newspaper there, and so on. So people are doing a lot of these things, and I think they are doing really good. But if you look at the statistic, it's not very impressive.
0: Right, and actually that's that's interesting. Uh, where here in California, there uh, a new law was passed where they um, they're mandating the uh, essentially a new collection for food so that it doesn't go to landfill we don't really have too many incinerators here but not so that we don't send it to landfill and the production of biogas is is an alternative and i think it's it's great that there is more separation and people are taking more of an effort into separating uh, the different materials from recycling waste and organics but i think also Mm -hmm. zero waste as a concept is much more than preventing things from entering an incinerator landfill right it's more of a a systems thinking can you can you speak to that a bit
1: yeah i think i mean for me zero waste is more a holistic picture when you start thinking you start discussing with people about this and you start thinking about the end of life of a product and so on and and uh, you cannot talk about waste if you don't connect it with consumption. And when you start talking about consumption, uh, there is um, a big problem because there is no politician that says we should consume less because they want us to consume a lot because you know the wheels they should roll. That is the the fuel for the consumption and so on. Uh, but when you Talk to people about it and and, and uh, you ask them, do you really need another pair of shoes or do you really need another pair of uh, another shirt or T-shirt or whatever it is? You already have 25 at home and so on, yeah. Uh, so uh, maybe a little bit of awareness are created in people's head, you know? So they start thinking about what they buy and what kind of product maybe they buy a little bit better quality and hopefully it will last longer and so on and I mean all these kind of different small steps that each people try to take is of course of a great value and has a great impact and uh, I'm, I'm happy for every little step people are taking actually even if they just do a small thing uh, and you know I'm not a zero waste uh, living person but I I promote it and I try to give the message to people, and I try to do it from my point of view as much as I want. But if you look at these um, really zero waste living people, you know, in very small, you should have a tiny home or or you should have a, a very slim lifestyle. Uh, and and uh, the the problem is nobody wants to live like that because uh we love things we love things that is the big problem and that's why we are consuming also and we love to have beautiful things around us and and uh, this is this is a, a a problem of course because we have to do this evaluation of of what we need, what we want and and what is good and what is bad and so on uh, but basically people want to have, simple life, simple solutions, simple systems. And that's the same with the waste. You know, they want to have a simple system. They don't want to sort in all these different fractions. They should be happy if they could put everything in one hole and we have machines that take care of everything and do it for them. But we are, you know, like in Sweden, we are by law forced to do sorting and so on. And, and uh, we have to take individual uh, responsibility. And and we can do it in many different ways. You can do it by you consuming the consumption pattern you have, and you can do it by sorting your waste. And and yeah, you know, all these small steps counts, of course, in in, in the long run, especially if we talk about seven eight billion people doing it. So um, I, I believe in the message that we should try to, to, to advocate as much as we can for, for a zero waste living, and and. Uh, not for incineration and not for landfill.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it is important for for people to have one thing that they can work on or, or one action that they can take on to minimize their waste in one way, I think it can be very empowering, empowering. I think the question that I have is, when there's such a system in place where there's so many different materials uh, that are being produced and so many different things to think about, and it's very complex when people make these decisions about what is good from a, from a waste perspective. What's the balance between addressing individual choice and individual uh, impacts about how to, how to minimize waste versus looking at a, a systems approach, whether it's legislation or logistics or something else. What's that? What do you see as that balance?
1: Uh... <laughs> I think it's hard for people, you know, to to discuss and to have an opinion about this because it's uh, it's like a natural thing for people to take the garbage and throw it in the bin, and then okay, it's gone because most of the people they don't they don't want to to see they just want to get rid of it in one way or another, and I always say to people, okay. Because they say, okay, so what should I do? What, what, what should I do? Which is the West Bay to start and so on? I'll say, okay, look under your sink. Can you do better than that? Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, but you can s- start sorting stuff, you know, and, you, and, and try to have a little bit understanding about it because it's not only just to throw it away. Uh, because, you know, we always say from zero waste, there is no way. It's always somebody's backyard in one way or another. Uh, so what do you mean Uh, yeah but i mean you you just throw it away yeah but i pay for a service you know i don't have to think about that no but if you start thinking about it a little bit then you also have a a a greater understanding for the for the problem you know and 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 then you will understand the whole the whole uh, environmental question uh, if it comes to climate change or, or waste management or whatever it is because if if you look at the big picture Then, then you understand also that it has an impact what you are doing, you know, and 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 uh, you also understand that we should not put anything into the sustainable loop that we can't take care of because then we have a problem. So it means that you, as a consumer, also should put pressure, you know, on on. maybe on the producers you know, say uh, which we have done you know successfully in, in many cases you know but we say this is a product we can't take care of you have to redesign it the redesign is the most important R for the zero waste organization uh, because you know redesign the product if we can't take care of it that is the only way otherwise you leave the problem to somebody else and the problem keeps going uh, if you redesign the product, we can keep it longer in the loop, and and uh, that's the way we want. We want to have it as long as possible in the loop before we recycle it or whatever we do with it. Uh, but if it's a product that we can't recycle, then we have a problem.
0: Absolutely. And I think that really resonates of when, it, when you throw something away, it doesn't necessarily go away, as you were saying. It, it still ends up somewhere. And I think my eyes really opened up to that. When I started living here on on the coast in in San Diego, there's a lot of beaches obviously. And when you walk around, obviously they're very beautiful, but you also see all kinds of uh, trash. And I've started participating in trash cleanups and you really see tons of cigarette butts. You see tons of little pieces of plastic. And so there is that connection between throwing something away, but it still ends up somewhere, whether it's a landfill an incinerator or in our oceans or on our beaches. So, I think it's important that people make that connection and i think it's also something that you started working on as well correct i I, you know
1: i think when when you know plastic in the ocean everybody talks about it nowadays the plastic problem and so on and i think that was really a very important message, you know, when, when these pictures of the albatross came from the Midway Island, you know, with open birds full of plastic, and, and then other pictures came with, with uh, dolphins with plastic and, and, you know, any kind of animal that had some kind of plastic around and stuck to it. Because people, they, they hate to see animals suffer. If, if people suffer they don't give a shit it. <laughs> <More laughs> <less. laughs> but if animals do it then they really feel sorry about it. So I think this you know really lifted the problem to the surface, you know. That when I saw all these animals then I start to understand Jesus the fishes the dolphins and in, in the animals, in the wood, everywhere, you know, they have a problem. And when they, you know, they they open the, the animals and they see inside that is full of plastic. So then people start thinking a little bit about it. So I think that was really, really good. Uh, and then also when China 2018 said, no, we don't going to take your shit anymore. Right. <laughs> don't give it to us. Then, you know like in California, you know, they piled up with thousands of tons of dirty plastic. You know, what are we gonna do now? Yeah, yeah, okay, now we have to start thinking and see how we can solve the problem, you know? So that, that was that was a second really good thing for plastic. and And now the solutions are coming. Slowly but surely, we're gonna we're gonna find a solution for the plastic, of course. But it's very complicated. It's a compli- complicated uh, material because it's so mixed up, you know. But but we have we have to put pressure on the on the producer also, you know, upstreams, and tell them that okay, if you're gonna produce plastic, it's gonna be like this, so we can recycle it at the end and we can keep it in the loop.
0: Yeah, and I think bringing up that awareness so through these pictures, uh, I think it was important and I agree with from China Sword that it, it, at least from California's perspective, it, it really made everyone scramble. And for about a couple of years, everyone was just throwing things away, but now you're actually starting to see recycling centers pop up, uh, paper mills pop up. Mm-hmm. And so now we're starting to fill that void. So I think, I think it's, it, could, it is a good step to be able to say, okay, we actually need to handle this. We can't just throw it away or send it to a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, on, the, on the topic of engaging with, with businesses, have you, have you had much work in that area of saying, okay, how do you redesign these products? Because there are hundreds of plastics, right? And uh, not all of them are recyclable, some are. Um, and I think a lot of work can be done on improving the redesign. Have you, is that something you've dealt with much?
1: Uh, we had a, a good example, you know, when this uh, Caffo capsule came it was metal, and it was organic waste, and it was plastic. It was three different materials in them. And they were impossible to, to recycle them because you know, they were pressed together, and then they throw them away. So they went for landfill, or they went for incineration. Then we have the, the Goldman Sachs winner, Rossano Ercolini, from Capanori in, Spain, in Italy, who is the, the, the zero waste Italy the leading person, he has like a small research center uh, in the small village where he lives, uh, where they are looking at the stuff, you know, that they can't really take care of, you know. So then they found out these kafu capsules, we cannot take care of them, we cannot really handle them. So he took a bag of them and he sent them to Lavazza, which is the biggest coffee company in Italy and said, this is, this is what you are producing and we cannot take care of it. You have to do something about it. And that was more like you know, a, a protest. But after one week, you know, somebody called him from Lavazza and said, yeah, we got your message here. So we want to invite you to the board meeting. Can you come and, and, and talk about the whole thing? He said, yeah, of course. So he went to Milan. And he went to this meeting with, with, the, with the board and he said, this is a problem we have here. You need to do something about it. You need to make them so they will be more eco-friendly and we can recycle them and so on, you know. So they say, yeah, okay, we will think about it. So they started thinking, you know, and after six months, you know, La Vassa was the first cafe capsule company that came out with an eco-capsule and that was because He put the pressure on them and and uh, they said okay we want to be eco-friendly also so we want to solve the problem if we can and that's what they did and now all these companies have eco capsules that's just a small example but the, the problem with us as consumers are that we are totally unorganized we are complaining a lot but we are not organized so if we if we should tell the the companies, you know, we don't want to buy your product, a boycott or something like that. You know, what, what will they do? They cannot produce if we don't buy it. So, we have actually big power, but we also unorganized, so we, we don't really use the power we have. And uh, more people, of course, should talk to to like break free from plastic which i think is excellent organization you know they are they are putting pressure on the politicians in 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 Brussels now in eu and also in in united united states uh, and really show the problem of plastic so i mean we put pressure on all these lobbyists, but it's a huge industrial complex we are fighting and and if you look at the plastic production for the next 10 15 years you know it's gonna be steep as Mount Everest the production will increase so we have to do something about it and and that's uh, and the only way is that you we are start acting uh, upstreams how we can make less and uh, that's what we're trying to you know to push on them and tell them the problem so uh, I think that that kind of awareness, also bring, comes into the company when they think, okay, may, maybe we have a benefit out of this if we do it like this. We're going to be considered to be an eco company, or we're going to be eco-friendly, and you know that's what people like, and so you know, you know all these different stuff, you know, or maybe what we call a little bit greenwashing, also. But uh, I'm I, I'm I'm very optimistic, you know, for the future because I think. Everything will be solved in one way or another because the main thing is that we are human. We want to live, <laughs> and if we want to live, we have to solve the problem. So the the planet will survive. That's no problem. They survived for thousands of years, <laughs> but we will not if we don't solve the problem. And and we will because we love life. That's absolutely. All. Yeah,
0: and I think it, it 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 is a big problem, and I think it does require organization from all different communities and all different people. I'm I'm curious, I know you've traveled extensively, whether it's in the Amazons or the Philippines uh, or elsewhere. What is, when you engage with these communities, what's their response to this, this concept? I know we've been talking a lot about how, what, how we're viewing it in the US and the EU, but how is this notion of zero waste or, or standing up to preventing all this plastic pollution? How, how do people view that? Uh, in, in, in those communities that you worked with?
1: I mean, people normally react very good and understand. Then you come to the next level, it's the political level. <laughs> in so many countries, you know, the corruption is, is incredible. Uh, they, they, don't have, they don't have legislation they don't have logistic systems they don't have any any good recycle systems and so on so they are lacking so many things you know so you need to you need to tell people that they have to take the individual responsibility and see what they can do on on, on your on your uh, you know your village level you know like in the philippines they have this material recovery facility in each village you know where people are supposed to sort, you know, and there are some really, really good examples from the Philippines. You know, there are, there is a small city called San Fernando, which has a tremendous system. You know, they pick up waste almost every day. You know, and everybody is sorting, and and they have incredible records. You know, they sort like over ninety percent of everything. So, and that is in in a small city, you know, because they have a mayor that really loves to to push for these questions, you know, so he provide them with the right tools, the right material they need and so on to do it. So you you need to have different drivers in the society to push for it, if you're gonna have it in a larger scale. Otherwise you have to keep it maybe on your household level or your block level or whatever it is, and try to to sort and, recycle as much as you can because in in all countries there are recyclers but the problem is also the logistic you know like philippines with seven thousand islands you know it's a huge problem and indonesia also you know with thousands of islands so they have they have huge challenges to to get all these things together and uh, the money that comes from the government goes through many different pockets so there will be less money and less money usually go to waste because waste is such a low priority you know waste you can just throw it out of your window throw it in the river and it disappear and so on so it's uh it has a very very low status you know and people if you don't explain for people they don't understand that it has a value the only thing they i know that has a value is metal because metal there is all over the world in the informal sector there is always somebody who will buy it from you
0: that's fascinating the the approach to to, to go to focus on a community level or a village level uh, as a way to to address some of the challenges from the logistics or the corruption that you've noticed or the lack of willingness to try to, to, to take something on. I would imagine if you're also keeping it very local or focused, then it's easier to see uh, the impact that you're making. If it's just your villagers, just your community, or it's one of the islands in Indonesia, Philippines, I would imagine that yeah. people feel more empowered to act when they see the change in
1: their local community. Yeah, they are. But I mean, in, in most villages, you know, they, they, burn, they burn the waste two, three times every week in the backyard. And then they, because they don't even have a bin. So they regularly, because they sweep the yard and they get all the branches and leaves or whatever it is. And then they put all the plastic in there also and what kind of waste they have. And the food, the food waste in, in many of these countries is not a huge problem because they, they feed the animals, you know, as much as they can the dogs and the pigs and whatever they have. They try, but they they get, of course, much more problem. You know, the more items we are introducing into these societies, you know, and 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 uh, you know, we call them some of them we call the sachet economies because they they have everything in small sachets, you know, small portions. One shampoo bottle comes into one hundred sachets, you know, and, and they, that is a multi-layer. Um, container stuff you know which is plastic and paper and, and you cannot really separate it so that is typical of a problem we have they just throw it away and it's end up everywhere you know, in every river and every sour everywhere and uh, the only way to to solve it in this area is that they put it in the landfill or they burn it because it burns good it's a petrol product combined with paper
0: right one thing that really struck me that you said is the 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 fact that there isn't really much of a priority given to waste because it's something that you can just throw away. And that you, that's, I think, true of most places, unfortunately, that you go. Uh, it's true here in, in California. I'm sure it's true elsewhere that people really just don't think about the waste. So at a big picture, given that you've been in this space for the last 15, 20 uh, years or more, where do you see zero waste now? And what do you see are some of the big challenges that it needs to go in the next couple of years to really address
1: and change this change this system? Um, I think number one, everything has to go down to a smaller local level. Uh, all these big waste management companies have to change the system they have. Uh, we need to have uh sort separation, much more closer to the source. We need to have a production line that is much more environmentally friendly in both upstreams and downstreams. Um, people have to take much more responsibility for, for the items they bring out of a shop or what they bring into their home and how it should be taken care. Um, I think we're going to find a lot of simple solutions which will come up, which we don't maybe really know about yet, but it will come up simple, good solutions, especially if we can have material that are made from the beginning to recycle in a simple way. Uh, maybe, like they have in some countries, you know, they have something they call trash for cash. Maybe that you're going to save clean the, the, the trash you have, you know, clean it and save it home. And then you can sell it somebody, come and buy it, you know, all the paper or plastic or whatever you have, you know, uh, just to visualize for people that it has a value, you know, like we have in Sweden, you know, we have a deposit system for, for the pet bottle, you know, you, you bring it to the shop where you're going to buy it and you put it in a machine and you'll get money for it. So that is a, a system that we really like because it's instant reward. And that's what we love, you know, because we, it's, not, it's not like you have to think, okay, I recycle this pet bottle, I will save the future, the, the planet for 20 years ahead and so on. But if we get instant reward, that's what we love, you know. So uh, there, are, there are many different systems that are still working and uh, I think that will come up a uh, producer's responsibility will be increased into many, many different sectors. It means that the producer has to to take a, a larger responsibility, which already started, you know, and, and we had it for many years, you know, with uh, with airplanes, for example, you know, the the Indian or airplane is owned by Rolls Royce, is and you pay for the hours you are using. I didn't it. know that. Yeah. And it means that Roseroy want to do the best the best Indians ever in the world. They don't want to have a hassle with them. they don't want to serve them they don't want to do this and this so and the same with, with a lot of electric companies you know you buy light hours from them and they product, they provide you with the electricity and they provide you with the with the armatures you need to get your light and you pay for it. so it's also a system you know that, a lease system you know that will comes also with cars and everything you know that that the producer are doing really high quality stuff you know and you are renting it or you pay when you use it or whatever it is and and these kind of systems i think will be be developed heavily in 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 a very short time Uh, and uh, people will adapt to it in a very easy way i think
0: those are all a lot of great ideas, and I'm, I'm I'm pleased that you brought out some of those examples about how, what companies are already doing and yeah. what communities are already doing. For for anyone listening right now, I guess are there is there one thing that you recommend to them that they can do to to minimize their waste or take on a little bit more responsibility, or is there some organization that they they can reach out to or learn more about that you think is doing some good work?
1: Uh, I think there are two or three really good websites where you can look for, for uh, um, good literature and good examples. It's on zero-waste-europe, zero-waste-europe.eu. They have, if you're really interested in, in waste and waste management and, and how we are implementing different systems all over the world, and good report and research if you're interested in all that. And also at uh, Gaia's home page, which is no-burn.org, they have great examples because the, Gaia is the one who is, it's like the labor union for waste pickers all over the world. They have uh, incredible good uh, reports and, and articles where you can read about uh, Uh, how they work in different areas in the world, and and how they work in my country, you know, for most people, they don't don't really know how it works in their own country, but in Gaia's play, then they can see how it works in India, that worked in the Philippines, Sweden, US, or whatever it is, because they're all over the world. Uh, And of course, Zero Waste International, SWIA, ZWIA.org, which is Zero Waste International Alliance. Uh, which also have a website where we are organizing uh, different NGOs, companies, and we also certify uh, companies and, and organizations that they are a zero waste organization and so on. So there are certain, certain uh, graduation examples and, and classes you can take. And if you're interested on the individual level, you can, you can apply to be a leader. Uh, for zero-waste leader and zero-waste educator and there is a lot of things you can do if you if you google but at the same time zero-waste is one of the most kidnapped world as it is today you know because they're talking about zero-waste incineration and zero-waste landfill and that does not exist in our world but Everybody wants to have zero waste because it sounds good you know, to say zero. People say, yeah, there is no waste, but there is a lot of greenwashing going on. So you have to watch out. If you want to know the real definition, you have to go to Zero Waste Europe or Zero Waste uh, International's homepage to see what it says about the, the, the redefinition of zero waste. And uh, And of course, you should think before you buy (laughs) very easily consume a little bit less a little bit smarter uh, and uh, try to get the holistic picture because it's also include you as an individual if you start thinking about what you are buying what you are eating and how you move and exercise you actually become a more healthy person a healthy living smarter living so it means you become wiser, wiser smarter that's good this is, this is what we want <laughs> everything <laughs> everything is included it's, it's, all, it's all it's a package deal <laughs> all included all inclusive
0: <laughs> well fantastic paul i really appreciate your insights this has been really helpful and i really enjoyed this so um thank you very much
1: yeah thank you